From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. President Donald Trump is reportedly planning to hold unauthorized immigrant families at military bases after deciding this week that he could no longer separate parents from children. But it's not clear that the courts, which have enforced a 20-day limit for keeping children in detention, will let him. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives, having failed to pass an immigration enforcement bill on June 21st, plans to try again next week with a measure negotiated by Speaker Paul Ryan that would authorize the Trump administration to hold immigrant families together and also provide a path to citizenship for some of the immigrants Barack Obama had shielded from deportation, the so-called dreamers. My guest today is Dan Stein, president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, a group that wants to further restrict immigration and toughen enforcement. And later, I'll be joined by CQ's Dean Desharo for an update from Capitol Hill. Welcome, Dan. Glad to be here. So, Dan, what is your message to President Trump as he grapples with this problem of families arriving at the border? Our message to President Trump is to thoroughly understand the law and understand the scope of your power. When you execute a policy, try to prepare the American people far enough advance in advance so that there's no misunderstanding about both the intentions of the administration and the scope of its authority. Nothing is worse than the appearance of a loss of control of borders. This is true for Europe. This is true for any country. And at the same time, nothing is worse than the appearance that the government hasn't properly thought through a policy before it's implemented. And in this case, uh, the negative political or PR fallout associated with separating young people from parents under newly enacted so-called zero-tolerance policies that require people to be prosecuted for the misdemeanor of entry without inspection. He's doing the right thing. He's also been quite active asking Congress to do implement what he called his initial four principles, which deviated quite dramatically from his campaign commitments, but nevertheless represented an effort to try to work on a bipartisan basis. Unfortunately, the Senate wasn't able to come up with anything meaningful. It all collapsed earlier this year. And now Paul Ryan, a lame duck speaker, has been trying to bring up really two bills. There was a a leadership bill originally sponsored by Bob Goodlatte, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, which failed yesterday, but not by that many votes. In fact, that bill, which was much more to our liking than the current bill that's pending, it only failed. It was 193 votes. So it's very obvious to us that if Paul Ryan had actually put a little more um, zest and leaned in, it was possible that that actually could have passed the House. Right. Well, on the the issue of of families arriving at the border, it seems like it was Trump that was put on the defensive here. Um, He was holding, he was separating the families while pending prosecution of their parents for illegally crossing the border. And it's it's a thorny situation because the previous uh, administrations have had a policy of um, catch and release where they would these families would be released into the country pending deportation proceedings. Um, rather than hold them, which the courts have restricted their ability to hold these families. Um, Do you see it as a thorny issue, or is it more clear and cut and dry? (laughs) Everything about immigration is thorny. I mean, immigration policy challenges our moral value system at every level. It's an emotional issue. It's complex. When you're dealing with the driving force of hundreds of millions of people from all over the world 
who have everything to gain and nothing to lose by trying to get to a country like the United States. Our Western democratic ideals, our notions of procedural and fundamental process, mean that it's difficult to sometimes balance the reality of their, their, the driving force of their ambition with our ability to deter um, illegal conduct. And we see that right now going along on the border. Nobody can be blind to the fact that Donald Trump's initiatives have been repeatedly thwarted by federal judges. And when Judge Dolly Gee, who's a Ninth Circuit District Court judge, expanded in 2015 a settlement going all the way back to the Clinton administration that said if you have un unaccompanied minors, you have to release them in 20 days. Well, suddenly she expanded it to include those who are with parents. That suddenly right. meant... This is what's holding up right. this, uh, this new idea of the administration to hold the families at military bases. It's not clear that Judge G will be okay with that. Well, it also means that the administration has to desperately try to figure out how to get the asylum hearing and one level of administrative appeal before removal done within whatever the time period is before they release them. By most measures, our economy is very strong. At the same time, the country's birth rate is at very low levels, 30-year lows, below replacement levels. Why in that environment are we not in a place to be more lenient about immigration? The biggest problem is that we're undergoing a labor market transformation for many Americans who voted for Donald Trump. They don't see what their role is in our modern economy. And just because the official data show that there's a lot of jobs going begging, the nature of the kind of jobs that are being created, the gig economy, the part-time economy, the underemployment economy, is still a persistent issue. We also have a world in which there's a supply of unskilled labor that has everything to gain, as I say, and nothing to lose by moving to the United States. Because we've lost all these manufacturing jobs and the jobs that are being created tend to be low-paid service jobs, and the fact that we're increasing our labor force dramatically through less skilled, unskilled immigration, in part because of chain migration and also illegal immigration and other programs, wages are stagnant. Housing costs have gone up. Cost of living continues to increase. And so the percent of the population that actually can't afford a decent apartment that's working full time has gone up dramatically. For wages to rise, immigration must fall. A tight labor market is very important. Why are the Republicans split? You have the conservative wing of the Republican Party that voted for the Goodlatte bill. Didn't love the amnesty, but it didn't lead to a path to citizenship. The so-called moderates are actually the ones who are listening to the Chamber of Commerce, Business Roundtable, and the Agricultural Lobby. They're calling the tune. You know, they've had a tremendous amount of low-skill and illegal labor for the last 25, 30 years. They still claim they have a labor shortage. So regardless of the facial evidence that unemployment is low, the reality is that, Ameri and while Americans do believe the economy is getting stronger, there is a disconnect between the, the wage rates and productivity increases and what Americans aspire to achieve. And that's why immigration continues to be a big issue. Okay, so let's talk about the, the legislation the House has been considering. You've referenced the, the legislation by House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte a couple times. This was billed as the more conservative of the two bills they're looking at. It would authorize funding for construction of the border wall. It would require that employers use the system that you referenced, E-Verify, to check the immigration status of, of job candidates. And it would give people, the so-called dreamers, the young immigrants who were brought to this country illegally by their parents, a legal status, though not a path to citizenship. 
that the other legislation is a compromise negotiated by Paul Ryan between conservatives and moderate Republicans. What's your assessment of it? Well, the big problem is that it's trying to avoid the elephant in the room, which is the E-Verify mandate, which is not in the compromise bill, which is considered kind of a must-have takeaway. And they, it apparently, in exchange for that, we have to accept some kind of amnesty program, which in turn basically pauses enforcement this for is several the, years. By that, you're, you're referencing that the, the compromise measure would provide this path to citizenship well, for the six, so-called dreamers. Six-year renewable... Uh, DACA-eligible non-immigrant visas that after after uh, the sixth year, then they can get green cards, which have been reprogrammed from things like the so-called diversity lottery. At the same time, it has some novel features that are very troubling, and one of them is that it would make eligible for green cards non-immigrant visa holders like H-1B and L's who've been working in this country for a sustained period of time. H-1Bs are a technology right, these visa. Are tech, well, there's some, they're not that skilled. Workers. There's a lot of tech, there are a lot of H-1B workers doing things like teaching and math in eighth grade. I mean, don't kid yourself. The H-1B program is widely divergent from its original conception. And that's the whole point. These, these visa programs were developed as short-term, emergent, unforeseeable uh, frameworks. The L, L program is for bona fide intracompany transferees, J, these visas, that's the, that's the cultural exchange visa. They were originally conceived for very narrow purposes. That brings a lot of young people to work at well, it brings camps young people, and theme but, parks. And but then people also bring, yeah, right, the J visa. But then they, mm -hmm. but people bring their children. Well, now the argument is, well, these kids have been here for 12 years, 15 years. It's, quote, the only country they know, so we're going to start giving their kids green cards. That is a radical departure from the principle of non-immigrant visa status, and there's been, not been so much as a hearing on that concept. It has been nonstop frustrating that every time the American people, if you will, start getting commitments on what were made to deter illegal immigration and rationalize how we pick immigrants, we have to have a big amnesty up front, which throws into chaos the whole system for years while it's implemented. Part of the problem is when you have an amnesty or a DACA thing, you're always asking, well, where do you draw the line? Now the Democrats, who've radically changed their position from where it was over the last 150 years, are, seem to be in opposition to all interior immigration enforcement. Now they want to, and you can see the polls, the immigration issue is tearing the country apart at every level. The, the fissures that exist now between the geopsychic framework of the American electorate find their greatest expression right now in the immigration policy debate. We see nothing comparable on trade, tariffs, you know, um, any, really any other social issue. And it's really important to recognize that if people can't even understand, you know, don't, can't even agree that the, that the immigration rules and laws have a legitimate basis, it's hard to find legislative consensus on how to fix them. Republicans, a lot of them have coalesced around, you, re you referenced it, a merit-based system that would replace the current uh, system where family members of current immigrants are favored in terms of issuing uh, visas and green cards and going to a merit-based system that would bring in more skilled workers. Right. Is that a good idea? Well, yeah, that was the original concept of the 1990 law. Over time, uh, the idea is that you want to bring people in who, not, not on the basis of who they know or nepotism or somebody's third cousin, but what they know, what they can do for the country. And there's a lot of merit to a merit system. And you think this would work better than our current system, the H-1B visa for high-tech workers? 
the H-1B probably needs to be just abolished because it's being abused wantonly. However, the Trump administration is making some efforts to tighten it up, bring the levels down. It's part of the reason why you're starting to see some wage increases now in the, in the tech industry. We have many U.S.-based born qualified engineers and programmers who are not in those fields now because the, the H-1B program has held wages down in those fields. It also creates a, a possibility for age discrimination because older American workers are getting more wages and benefits, whereas the H-1B workers are working for much less. And so the problem with any temporary visa program is it creates a dependency on that flow. And over time, the industry lobbies Congress to maintain the flow. Do you see any potential compromise in the House around legislation? You mentioned that the the compromise bill that Paul Ryan has negotiated does not include E-Verify, the system whereby employers would check the immigration status of potential hires. There's no question that being, bringing in mandatory E-Verify would bring some of the Freedom Caucus members along. along. Um, it probably would not, it, I don't think it would cause significant numbers of uh, of the, of the moderate members because they are really looking for these agricultural programs. But again, a lot of these members who were from agricultural areas did vote for the Goodlatte bill. So, you know, it's possible they can get a deal. The, the, the quandary is that Trump has now come out and tweeted and said, quite correctly, how are you ever going to get anything decent through the Senate? And so he's essentially said, this is an election issue. We're going to double down. We're going to make it a 2018 election issue. You know, we got to expand the margin in the Senate. He's playing the calculus. He's looking at what's happening, how many Democrat seats are up versus Republican in the Senate in this, in this election. And he's going, this clearly works for me. So why do we want to have House members taking a bad vote on an amnesty bill when we can characterize the Democrats quite accurately as being completely recalcitrant and unwilling to deal? Now, we do have a, an election coming up. How do you expect immigration is going to apply? All the evidence is that this election is going to be about Donald Trump, which is unusual, maybe historic for an off-year election. It's also going to be in large part on issues like immigration. Thank you for coming on the show. Sure. You're listening to the CQ on Congress podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zeller. And now I'm going to turn to CQ's immigration reporter, Dean Desharo, for an update from Capitol Hill. Hey, Dean. Hey, Sean. So, Dean, what happened this week with these uh, House immigration bills? We started the week thinking that there would be votes on two measures, both of which are Republican measures. Uh, there's one that is the more conservative of the two bills, and then there's one that is uh, sort of a compromise with the moderate wing of the Republican Party. Uh, so the week began with us thinking that the House would vote on both, and uh, eventually they voted on the more hardline measure, which is uh, sponsored by the Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte. That bill failed, I believe it was 193 to 231, but it ended up getting uh, more votes than people thought. A lot of Republicans who were concerned about E-Verify and ag worker visas ended up supporting it. And so they ended up postponing the vote on the second measure to consider whether they should add those specific things, E-Verify and the agriculture section, to the bill in an effort to uh, sort of get enough support to get it across the line. Okay, so every Democrat voted against the Goodlot bill and about 40 Republicans. What was the Democrats' reasoning and what was the reasoning of those 40 Republicans? The Democrats have, from the beginning, said that they're not going to support anything that's not fashioned in a bipartisan way. Uh, specifically, their argument is that by 
including some of these more hardline measures, plus money for the border wall, uh, plus cuts to legal immigration, that Trump and the Republicans are effectively holding dreamers hostage. These are the young, unauthorized immigrants brought to the country by their parents. Correct. People who are enrolled in the DACA program, which Trump is trying to end. Um, So Democrats think that they are holding uh, both dreamers as well as now these migrant children on the border hostage in order to pass legislation that would fulfill uh, Trump's or at least bolster Trump's deportation agenda. Now, the compromise bill, this was the one spearheaded by Speaker Paul Ryan. What's in it and what are its prospects next week if it does come up? Right. So the big difference uh, between the compromise bill and the so-called more hardline measure is that under the hardline bill, dreamers would not have a path to citizenship. They would only get renewable periods of legal status. Under the compromise bill... Uh, there is a new visa program that dreamers and other young immigrants could apply for. Uh, and if they were to get that visa, they could turn it into a green card and this turn is the that. This mer- a merit-based system. Correct. Correct. Would it this replace is a, the, the current system of family immigration? Well, they would make room for the visas by cutting certain family-based visas. They don't want to change the overall number of green cards. And so what they're doing is making room for the dreamers and other young immigrants by cutting visas for extended family members of immigrants who have legal status now. Does it touch the visa lottery program for for countries that have historically not sent a lot of immigrants? It also does away with the visa lottery program. And so the idea is to find a way to grant Dreamers citizenship while also meeting Trump's so-called four pillars, uh, the four parts of a deal he'd like to see, and cuts to legal immigration as well as the end of the diversity visa lottery program. Might any Democrats vote for it? Highly unlikely. So, Dean, the conservatives are not enticed by the possibility of money for a border wall in this compromise bill? Right. So the bill actually has $23.4 billion, which combined with the $1.6 billion in the 2018 spending law would give Trump his full $25 billion request to build his border wall. They consider an amnesty for undocumented immigrants to be too high a price to pay for that. Now, you also have seen some of the folks on the moderate end of the party say they're not going to support it. Will Hurd is a moderate Republican whose district makes up uh, a huge portion of the southern border in Texas. Uh, He actually played a role in crafting the compromise bill. And yesterday he said he's not going to vote for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and President Trump has tweeted that this is now all a waste of time, that it can't get through the Senate, um, no matter what happens in the House. Is he right? We're in a state of flux, sort of constant flux. A lot of that has to do with the president and the messages that he sends. He was up on the Hill uh, Tuesday, and you know lawmakers who emerged from that meeting said that he had given them his thousand percent support for both of these bills. Uh, since then, he's now said twice that he doesn't see the point in voting on them because Democrats in the Senate can block anything from passing. And that's true. But one could also argue that during the course of this year, since he's tried to end DACA, there have been bipartisan negotiations in both the House and the Senate and that could have resulted in a bill getting through to his desk. So if the House passed something, it could prompt some action in the Senate where they pass something and then they work out a deal between the chambers. Right. But the problem is that 
the current bills that they're weighing in the House have no chance in the Senate because Democrats won't support them. Okay. Thanks, Dean, for coming on. No problem. I am Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at rollcall.